these. Looks like we're a little more together now. All right. Hope everybody is well. I hope your September 30th is going okay. Welcome to the Onyx Report. Make sure our system is going here. We are trying to broadcast on Facebook, YouTube, Interlight Radio, and Twitch. Okay, but uh, Twitch is being a little unreasonable. Either way, um, we're getting it together. We're getting it together. Hope all is well. Everybody is doing cool. Um, Got a few people coming in. So I'm going to let folks come in first before we jump in. Want to uh, see, uh, acknowledge a few things. What's up, Shatterpoint? Um, BGS is here. Uh, so we're about to get it going. <clears throat> so we're just going to let a few people fall in for a moment. Um, I want to briefly mention uh, a few things going on. What's up, Corey? See a few people in here. Um, Urban, what's happening? Larry, Damon, you know, Shatterpoint in the in the building. Rashid, Shop Talk, there he is. We were just talking about you. Yeah. So, um, extended clips. Thank you for the support. And Aquateki, uh, thank you for the cash app. So we're getting it going. Y'all know what it is in terms of the subject matter. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. I wanted to kind of shout out uh, my new membership program. You can find on YouTube. Um, I'll kind of go over some of that in a moment, but definitely something to check out. If you're interested, please support the show on Cash App, PayPal, Patreon, and Venmo. Um, so please make sure you, you find a way to do that if you're so inclined. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's see. Dardar, appreciate the support. Uh, looks like we got a pretty good crowd coming in. Already at 69. Please share, like, and subscribe uh, before we get going here. Uh, let me see here. See, as soon as I say BGS, man, people come out the woodworks, man. See? <laughs> Mm-hmm. See, if, if I don't have BGS on the show, I might as well be in here mopping the floor by myself. As soon yeah, as I say BGS, no, nah, I'm just playing. Did they, <laughs> did they come to bury me or praise me? <laughs> nah, you get love, man. You get love. Uh, but I want to, I want to, I want to shout out to my new members. Uh, there, you know, uh, those who are joining the uh, Onyx Report membership program on YouTube. Um, there are a couple of different ways to go about doing that. Uh, here, I will put them, put some up on the screen for my viewers on YouTube anyway. Um, so as you can see, Force Windu, appreciate that support. Always good to have a force in here. Um, but as you can see, there's different levels to the membership. We got the gold level, means you get, the, you get shout outs in the show. Uh, as well as, um, you know, we do a Q&A, you get priority for your questions. We have uh, the diamond level membership. Those are um, for shout outs, uh, you know, uh, Q&A question priority as well. And tonight we are going to start our first after show. It's called uh, Onyx Report Office Hours. 
And as soon as the show is over, we'll probably do about an hour uh, just for uh, those who have signed up for Diamond Level or Onyx Level membership. Uh, Diamond Level, you get to engage in the chat. And Onyx Level, you'll get pulled up on screen. Uh, tonight, uh, BGS will, it was kind enough to agree to join us in that session as well. So after we get done talking about the archetypes, you can come in and have some straight dialogue with us uh, about your thoughts and reflections. So again, that's for uh, Diamond and Onyx level membership. Onyx will have um, will be pulled up on StreamYard if you so choose, and Diamond will engage the chat. And if you're already a Patreon film review member, you uh, you will also be able to access that um, that uh, private session. So that'll be right after the show. We will literally just switch from this one to that one, and that again is for um, Onyx and Diamond level membership. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Because uh, as I get older, some of these things really begin to make more sense. And considering that I, my birthday is Saturday, I am going to be getting even older very <laughs> shortly. I, I feel the hours ticking away to uh, being 46. What's up, AJ? Uh, Key, appreciate that support. Mr. Meach, what's happening? Um, yeah, all right. <laughs> Mr. Meach says, Wings, Catfish, and Remy Martin. <laughs> <laughs> My Wednesday is going well. <laughs> I ain't mad at you, man. <laughs> oh, man. I am not mad. I hear you. Um, all right. So we're getting it going in here. So let me kind of move it on. So make sure if you're interested in joining, uh, click the join button right there on the YouTube page. And uh, you can go ahead and choose the level you want to participate in. It'd be good to have you. Uh, Y'all know how I like to do. I like to switch into some um, current events. Uh, so we'll go through a few of those and um, appreciate that, Rocket King. Yeah, man. Appreciate the birthday wishes. Um, let me go ahead and get us started. Now, I didn't get to catch very much of this, so I don't really have a whole lot to say. There's plenty of videos kind of dealing with uh, the debates that took place yesterday mm -hmm. with President mm -hmm. Trump and uh, Joe Biden. But I thought the esteemed BGS might want to drop a word or two about his thoughts. Uh, basically, you didn't miss very much unless you like drama. And basically, this was a, a two 70-year-old guys uh, in a food fight. Uh, <laughs> talk about each other's relatives and you know, uh, they, everything that you, everything you, pretty much everything they said you've already known. Okay, uh, asking about his taxes, which he, you know, which he deflected, and then um, he talked about, uh, uh, I think he talked about Biden's son, uh, uh, what what money he got from Russia, what money he got what, uh, was being paid. So basically, it was basically uh, uh, almost like a reality show. And, okay. Uh, and uh, I think you, I think uh, earlier, yeah. Before the show, you were saying that uh, the moderator uh, turned out to be more like a substitute teacher trying to keep the uh, students <laughs> apart. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, somebody said that online. I fell uh, out. I at yeah. least I at least saw enough for that to to, to register. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. You 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 as a uh, as a classroom teacher probably know <laughs> know the experience. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that was hilarious. Yeah. There was no kind of order. Huh? There was no no order at all, and. Uh, and uh, the moderator had to say, well, you know, uh, President Trump, you actually your your team actually agreed to the allow these uh, 
two or three minutes for uh, for the man to get his point across, but he couldn't help himself. So <laughs> I said, right. I've, I've heard I've heard more organized debates on YouTube than I than this one. Oh, it's, man, it sounded man. it sounded very familiar. I'll, I take it that oh, sounded like one goodness. of our panels. Wow, <laughs> that's ridiculous. And I came away saying we're in trouble. <laughs> if this, if this is what we're getting for president for presidential choices, we're in trouble. <laughs> oh my goodness! Without taking a side, I said, "Oh my!" I said, "This it, it can't it can't have gotten worse. Maybe the second and third one will be better." Okay, maybe this is the opening round. I'm sure. Uh, we got 155, 156 watching. Please like, share, and subscribe. Shop Talk, appreciate the B-Day, the birthday wishes. Thank you, sir. Michael Lewis, appreciate the support. Come on, you guys. Now, as far as liking the like button, it's free. You know to hit it when you come in because it's getting old for us to actually inform you to, to like the video. Evidently, you like it because you come every week. Please hit the like button. Show support. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Let's see. Uh... All right, moving ahead. Look here. We got a Memphis woman arrested for performing oral sex on a four-year-old boy and sharing videos of the abusive acts online. Really? Oh, yeah. This is 24. Oh, go ahead. There's no shame. I see one thing doing it, but filming it and sharing it it online. Oh, yeah. 24-year-old Tamara Marion was identified by the authorities as a woman in two videos that were posted online showing the abuse of the four-year-old toddler. Uh, she was identified by authorities as the woman in two videos that were uh, were up. She was sexually abusing the toddler in, in what is being described as rape and sexual exploitation of a minor. The footage shows her um, assaulting the, to- the toddler, attempting to por- perform a sexual act. Um, hold on. Let me see. One of the videos reportedly shows her. Um, come on. Get through the crap. Uh, and she pushed the toddler to the floor, mm-hmm. removed his tiny pants and then put her mouth on his genitals. According to the authorities, the second video shows the child attempting to perform a different sex act on her. Mm. So this is what we're dealing with, right? These kind of things that take place, especially to young boys. But again, boys are, are not only hyper black boys in particular are hyper masculinized and made into uh, made perceived to be older than they actually are in far too many cases um how much of that is going on here i'm still waiting for other details to come out but this is what we're looking at so we talk about the vulnerability of boys this is partially what we're referring to right boys being vulnerable and to this degree Mm -hmm. i I think black males are still seen as property oh yeah and not human beings so even even little boys are seen as property oh hey uh joe average brother appreciate that support but yeah, Brandon, appreciate the cash out. This is what we're dealing with, and, and this is the vulnerability we speak of. Um, next up, this was a clip that came, or an image, set of images that uh, came across my page on social media that I posted up, because uh, again, I've dealt with academics that refuse to believe that men can be abused. Uh, so I thought uh, this interesting uh, and informative to show in terms of what some men experience. He says, I recently got out of an abusive relationship She knew damn well I wouldn't hit her back and took advantage of me. Uh, So the pictures you can see, you know, his hand is bleeding, his ear is bleeding. He's got scratches on his neck and then what looks to be scratches and whip marks and bruises all over Mm. his shoulder Mm. and chest uh, Mm. for those who are 
listening in on Interlight Radio. So, you know, serious evidence of the experiences some men have, um, even though they're often not believed. Um, along similar lines, just in case, you know, because I know usually, and I saw this online, people start talking about how masculine the guy wasn't mm-hmm. and how how soft he is and he's thin and he's not very strong, so he's clearly mm-hmm. not an alpha. Mm-hmm. So in light of that, I figured I would show you this uh, recent report that came out on, uh, you know, the, the Ravens, DJ mm-hmm. Fluker. Right. Um, uh, you know, fear for the safety of our daughter partner, uh, Kimberly Davis, arrested. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she had been abusing him. He's not the first player, as I understand it, on the Ravens to deal with this. Uh, no. Are you this familiar with this? Yeah, I, I've seen that. Yeah, this is constant. This is constant, especially with the uh, there's Me Too and the violence against women. The women are just ta- literally taking advantage of this. Right, because a lot of what I hear is people suggesting that uh, mm-hmm. how well men navigate violence and abuse in intimate partner relationships mm-hmm. is somehow a reflection of their manhood or their strength or their weakness. But the factor that nobody wants to call into question is that a lot of this is proxy violence mm-hmm. because it's not her that these men are afraid of. No, it's going to jail. Mm-hmm. especially for something that's being reported in a way that's not uh, honest. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I'll show you why in a moment in terms of why I say it's not honest, because again, the basic assumption most people have when they hear about a case of uh, abuse is that mm-hmm. one, the male is inherently guilty mm-hmm. Two, uh, he, he caused the situation. He started it, you know, uh, you know, he just built the comedian Bill Burr kind of talks about this. The perception is that, you know, you just he, you know, you just walk into a room and he just starts swinging on you. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of irrational kind of framework. But I thought I would share two articles of interest, uh, the first of which uh, I posted on my Facebook page uh, by newscastmedia.com. Harvard says 70 percent of domestic violence is committed by women against men. Mm hmm. This is out of newscast media in Houston, right? Uh, and it was basically an article that was posted three years ago, but then suspiciously removed from the internet. And so mm-hmm. this, this particular author found the article and reposted it, um, uh, despite that it was uh, hidden. And when I posted this article, mm-hmm. I really, I really, a lot of times I post stuff just so I can get time to go back and read it. Mm-hmm. But if I think it might be of importance, I try and share it on social media with people. Um, and you know, so with that, um, my boy, Dr. Curry decided to shoot me another article and this one is a little more hands-on, right? Um, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, by Daniel Whitaker, uh, of uh, Tedesi Halesis MS, um, and Monica Swan, Linda Saltzman, differences in frequency of violence and reported injury between relationships with reciprocal and non-reciprocal intimate partner violence. And if you look a little to the to the, the the pinkish category I highlighted for us, the results of their study show that almost 24 percent of all relationships had some violence. Half, 49.7 of those uh, were reciprocally violent in non-reciprocally violent relationships. Women were the perpetrators in more than 70 percent mm-hmm. of cases. Reciprocity was associated with more frequent violence among women, uh, but not men. Um, regarding injury, men were more likely to inflict injury than were women and reciprocal intimate partner violence was associated with greater injury than was non-reciprocal intimate partner violence, regardless of the gender of the perpetrator. 
So this confirms what we've known for a number of years now, that basically uh, women will often initiate. Mm -hmm. uh, men tend to do more damage. Women mm -hmm. will, will tend to opt for weapons. Men tend to use their own hands. A lot of this comes down to strength mm -hmm. uh, in terms of uh, the kind of impact that we're looking at. Uh, T-Fitness, appreciate the support. Officer Faulkner in the building, appreciate the support, sir. Uh, he says, when it comes to DV, 64% of the time, uh, the women are the aggressors in police work. Mm -hmm. Which is uh -oh. which coincides with uh, what the uh, article says. What the article says, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. But much of the time, because of the, the way it's been introduced in the media, especially going back to the 1970s, the narrative is that men are just doing this without cause, abusing women, and that's kind of the end of the story. And we, we still have that kind of popular reading of intimate partner violence, despite uh, what uh, some of the studies are, are, start, are showing us, right? So, and, you know, what we're seeing here is a, a phenomenon that, that, you know, men know about. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't know if we, I would say we talk about it enough, but we know about it. Um, and really, the, the best you can do is kind of navigate away. Now, I will say this. What I will give credit for is um, uh, this young man here, mm -hmm. right? Fluker actually handled the, the situation brilliantly. He did not put his hands on anyone, right? He called the police. He made it a point to, you know, have some evidence, but he did not engage her. And so when it came down to, you know, somebody needing to go to jail, he put himself in a position to make sure it wasn't him. You know, mm -hmm. he focused on the priority of his daughter's safety or his child's safety um, and engaged it that way. And I think many of us, I think, you know, the way men are kind of trained, if anybody, you know, assaults you, you defend yourself. We, we reach a point sometimes of cognitive dissonance when it comes to defending ourselves against women. And some men will just say, well, I'll, you know, I'll treat her like anyone else mm -hmm. that assaults me. And, and we're not prepared for the legal backlash. Mm -hmm. Um and so when when, you know, so I think, you know, what what, what brothers are opening up to or op waking up to is handling this more strategically than not and putting themselves in a position where they can still care for their children and not end up arbitrarily locked up over something yeah. like this. Or, or law, especially in a position like his where uh, the NFL is really, really strict about this and yeah. you can lose like millions of dollars you know, by reacting. So, mm -hmm. you know, he. As big as he is and as small as she is, yeah. <laughs> yeah and well, and especially for a career that you often start in elementary school. Yes. Right. To go to jail and lose all of that at, yes. at in adulthood, it makes no sense. Yes. Um, shout out to Kalonjakala, a new member uh, who signed up for uh, the Onyx uh, Report membership program. Remember, uh, for those of you that are interested in the office hour after show, just go to my community tab and the link is there already. So when the show ends here, click on that and we'll just uh, we'll we'll meet up in there. All right. Um, so moving ahead, I am not sending you to necessarily go watch the video. I understand there have been some very recent or very there's been some critiques of Vlad TV that I'm learning more about. I'm a little late on. But I am just making you aware of this particular video, uh, Shaka mm -hmm. Khan on join, joining the Black Panthers. And mm -hmm. she's being interviewed by the, uh, not Vlad, but the comedian, uh, what's the sister, the older sister's name? Uh, she escapes me right now. Luanelle, I think her name oh, is. Oh, Luanelle, yeah. 
Yeah, and and they actually had an interesting conversation after the three minute thirty second mark where they talked about being in Oakland, I believe. Where I think Shaka was in Chicago, mm-hmm. but from Oakland to Chicago, they they agreed as to how much protection black men provided, mm. uh, particularly in the party. And mm. so this is just another arrow in the quiver, fellas, for y'all to use uh, when these questions of protection come up. I just want you to be able to provide evidence on how these arguments that black men don't protect are ridiculous, right? So you know, so here you have Linnell and Shaka talking about the ways in which the men uh, kept them out of trouble, protected them, all mm-hmm. of that, you know. So just something to have in your in your information base there. Um, there we go. Next up, deputies from homeless outreach team fatally shoot black homeless man during struggle over jaywalking. An investigation is underway after the homeless black man was fatally shot Wednesday during a struggle mm-hmm. with two Orange County depart- uh, deputies. On September 23rd, just after 1 p.m., uh, the deputies of the department's homeless outreach team made contact with 42-year-old Kurt Andreas Reinhold near Hotel uh, Miramar in San Clemente, California. Uh, Sergeant Dennis Breckner said that after an altercation broke out, in quotes, two shots were fired. It was not made immediately clear if one or both deputies fired their weapon, but authorities later said one deputy fired his gun. All right. This is on wow. AtlantaBlackStar.com. Right. So as we've talked about before, black men tend to find themselves dealing with homelessness issues uh, at much higher rates in the black community than, say, black women. Uh, and, you know, holding across race, men tend to find themselves grappling with homelessness more than women anyway. Uh, but for black men, it's particularly uh, jarring because much of the time, many of the homeless are dealing with post-incarceration. And even if they have housing vouchers, they can't often you know, find anyone willing to rent to them. So a lot of the homeless, especially in Southern California, mm-hmm. uh, has been uh, brothers getting out of prison and having nowhere to go. Uh, and now we're talking about how uh, this can lead to their death. And honestly, this is this has been going on. It's just rare we actually see a report that covers it. So uh, just to kind of put that out there to let you know, uh, this is what some black men are dealing with. <clears throat> All right. Next up, a black man shot by police during traffic stop receives 80,000 from the city of Lawrence in Kansas. A black driver who was shot by a rookie police officer at a traffic stop is receiving an $80,000 settlement uh, from the city. Akira Lewis claimed that officers use unnecessary force and that he was pulled over because of his race. Following the shooting, Lewis filed a lawsuit against the city, two officers, the police department, and the police chief. The lawsuit also alleged that the city and its police department failed to appropriately train and and manage officers. The city has refuted those claims, instead holding Lewis responsible for the incident by maintaining that he acted irrationally and did not vacate his car when asked. Uh, So on May 29, 2018, uh, two officers, Ian McCann and Brindley Blood, pulled Lewis over for violating a seatbelt ordinance. The police dash cam video showed Lewis failed to provide McCann his license and registration, declaring that he was being racially profiled. Mm-hmm. Um, after Lewis repeatedly asked the, for a supervisor and failed to obey the officer's requests, McCann told Lewis that he is going to jail. Mm-hmm. He tried to physically remove him from the car. Lewis then hit and body slammed McCann. Uh, blood shot uh, Lewis seconds later. The video displays Blood yelling taser before firing her gun. Mm. 
She told the investigators afterward that she intended to use her taser, but drew the gun in air. Now that sounds familiar. Yeah. I mean, that and that, very common under stress, you mm -hmm. know, it sounds like what happened to, to in Oakland. Mm -hmm. yeah, this, this is there. Yeah, this is this is extremely common. Maybe uh, Officer Charles will talk about this one day that uh, that, that 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 I think this this constantly happens where the, the, they forget which side the taser is on or if the taser is next to the gun, they will actually instinctively reach for the gun instead of the taser Yeah, because under stress, they blank out. Right. Well, that's and that's the argument. You know, I think in some situations it's rather purposeful, but. Um, I look out for officer, uh, Charles Faulkner's channel on YouTube, go check him out and maybe he will, uh, talk about this. Mm -hmm. with Steve. Uh, mm -hmm. young manhood. Appreciate that support. Yeah. Um, Cause he says uh, a lot of officers that are, that are in the police, uh, police department have never had a fight in their life before they actually, um, wow. Yeah. So when it comes wow. to physical altercations, uh, especially rookie cops, they have no idea cause they've never been in a situation. So, wow. Yeah. Well, we might need to bring that same understanding to bear on this next report. Mm -hmm. um, black police officer deals with racial racial insults, threats after the arrest of a white woman not wearing a mask. Mm. Right. Uh, black police officer is facing racism and verbal abuse after he tased and arrested an, an Ohio woman for refusing mm -hmm. to leave a school football game mm -hmm. because she wasn't wearing a mask as required by the school district. The mm -hmm. incident was caught on video and soon vaulted into mainstream news. Mm -hmm. uh, Logan police officer Chris Smith has received various death threats and racial insults since the arrest of Alicia Kitts. Mm -hmm. According to a captain with the Logan Police Department, the department's office is receiving more than 300 calls an hour concerning the arrest. Smith has currently been reassigned from the Logan Hawking School District. Mm. He uh, apparently pointed out that she wasn't uh, arrested for not wearing a mask. She was detained for not leaving school property mm. after repeatedly being asked to leave for violating school policy. Mm. When she refused, she was informed that she was under arrest for criminal trespassing and she resisted arrest, which led to the use of force. Mm. Uh, on September 23rd, Smith was at a football game and that's where it took place. <clears throat> so that's that's what we're looking at. And if you want, you can find that article on Atlanta Black Star. <clears throat> so, you know, um, in terms of whether or not he handled it correctly, I haven't watched the video for this one yet, but uh, I find it I'm more interested in the response mm -hmm. from people and the idea that, you know, a white woman being held to the letter of the law in a way she did not want to be mm -hmm. seems to merit uh, a lot of uh, indignance. And, yeah, know. they can't find the same uh, compassion for black children who were manhandled and slammed against the wall for a lot less. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and notice he did not get his devices confused. <laughs> Strangely, when it comes to white women, there's no confusion. I'm, I'm sure he's been in a fight or two. Might have been Maybe that's what it was. Uh, now, this one I posted up on my social media, and I thought, BGS, you would find this one interesting, um, where you have this particular person making a tweet a statement. She says, this generation of men are no longer patient. Your wife cheated, and you are exposed, and you are exposed her on, I don't know. Exposing. Yeah. Oh, and you excuse me, I'm tripping. Your wife cheated and you are exposing her on social media. Instead of submitting and trying to mend the relationship, how will another woman take you seriously? Who else will marry you? <laughs> now immediately I had, you know, you know, some women coming in saying, Oh, she was just being facetious, she was just playing. No, she was serious. But 
it, yeah, I think she was serious. But even if she wasn't, this is what I talked about in my review of Antebellum, the film Antebellum with Janelle Monae. Mm -hmm. uh, this expectation of male, black male in particular, mm -hmm. submission to women in intimate relationships and marriages is, is something that I've been seeing more and more of in popular media. I think Antebellum displayed it, but I think there have been other films, even films like Girls Trip and so on and so forth. This idea of male submission being the rule or the new standard that uh, re black relationships should function by, right? And so you have this, uh, oh, Attorney Dennis Spur Sperling in the building. What's up, man? Um, shout out ABX for the donation. Appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, man, this idea of female of, of male submission um, and and where this should go, and so I kind of talked about it, and I was explaining that you know, and I said this before, the traditionalism is not outright uh, dismissed in the black community. The only thing that's dismissed is the traditionalism that leaves men in a position of authority. Mm -hmm. It is completely okay to have a traditionalism as long as the the roles are reversed. Mm -hmm. That's considered acceptable. So to even say male authority is akin to uh, an offense, you know, at this moment. But if you actually invoke female authority, for some reason, it's not only acceptable, it's lauded um, in a particular way. So uh, any reflections on that? Good brother. This is the order of things. Okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> this mm -hmm. is the, this is the order of things. You always use the term CocuSurf. Right. And, right. and I said years ago that what black women want is fealty. In other words, yeah. they want you to bow down to them. You see this online online a lot mm -hmm. where uh, uh, black males are expected to uh, uh, give fealty, give protection, give provision uh, because you're expected to. And the women uh, don't have to offer anything. Yeah. There is no quid pro quo. Okay, well, and that's serve. And, and that's part of what we're looking at here, too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we talk about gender roles, you know, that's considered an outdated idea, right, mm -hmm. to have gender roles. But the funny thing about it is we do have gender roles. We mm -hmm. just have them for men, mm -hmm. right? You know, the protecting and providing is still, it, it, it's not only assumed, mm -hmm. it's assumed without discussion that men mm -hmm. will continue to play the same roles they played in relationships since the 50s, if not longer, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it really is longer, but I'm just using the 50s as a reference point. But women are not to have social roles at all. I mean, gender roles in relationships at all. So she can kind of move the way she wants to and act however she wants to from a moment to moment basis. His gender role obligations stay fairly traditional. Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the issue. And with that, uh, I think after a few decades of this, what we've seen is the development of a particular type of entitlement. I've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. But it's 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 borderline worship at this point mm -hmm. uh, where I talked about, um, you know, she warrants deferment, you know, him mm -hmm. deferring to her. Mm -hmm. She needs constant affirmation and praise. And, and I consider that a form of casual worship, you know, poems, videos, songs, declarations of subservience, mm -hmm. reflections on male inferiority, you know, mm -hmm. in other and by that, I mean, you know, I, I've had people have been sending, you know, people always send me these uh these uh, long poems and essays by black men mm -hmm. online who are talking about how much they've learned from following women, from submitting to women, from listening to women. And no, in no way am I not suggesting not to listen to women. Mm -hmm. But what I am suggesting is that these kind of public displays right. have a very particular purpose. Yeah, And it's subtle brainwashing because you see the same thing. Uh, you look at HBO, their last two hit series okay uh -oh. which is watchman and uh -oh. the, the one that's currently going on which is uh 
Lovecraft with Lovecraft Country. Okay, mm-hmm. it's it's all about male submission. Mm-hmm. The women are mm-hmm. in charge. You're supposed to submit. Um, it's all about them growing and you accepting their role and understanding. It. Uh, otherwise, women can't take you seriously if you're not submitting. Absolutely. If you're not playing your part. If you're not uh, deferring to her and lauding her and actually being fertilizer for her growth, then you're worthless. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you can even be judged on whether or not you've paid an adequate amount of attention uh, mm-hmm. to what she's doing as if that in and of itself is a measure of you or even how you feel. So all of these things are becoming very common. And so to me, one of the things I said when I saw this tweet is mm-hmm. I really don't care if she's being serious or if she's being facetious, I've seen enough of it, not only in media, but even in terms of what, uh, uh, you know, how people actually engage each other. Hey, look, look at, look at Emmett Smith and his wife. She oh, left man. him. She left him because he, because he didn't uplift her in public. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I remember, I remember her talking about, well, you didn't open the door for me. And then they played the video of him opening the, the door. door for it. Yeah, he <laughs> ran ahead of me. OK. He said I ran ahead of you because I opened the door, which I did and let mm-hmm. you in. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yet that was still not considered enough. So, yeah. you know, these kind of things. Green Gorilla in the building. Uh, what's up, man? Dr. Uh, Gigi. Check, yeah. Check out. Check out Green Gorilla on his channel. He's doing some some yeoman's work over there, uh, explaining a lot of this and breaking it down. So glad to have you here. Teddy Ted, appreciate the support. Uh, so we're going to switch gears at this point, and we are going to very briefly talk about two new added points to the blackmail political agenda. Now, I'm not going to cover the whole agenda the way I normally do. You can look at um, my last show from last Wednesday, my review of Antebellum, and you can see uh, the latest in terms of the entire list. Um, there are over 20 different submissions at this point. Most of these are coming from you all about what black men should be thinking about, what black men should be considering as far as our political goals. At this stage of it, it's not so much about what can be implemented tomorrow. It's really more about establishing a coherent connection amongst black men about what it is we value. Because one of the things we notice is that in any political engagement, one, black men are seldom brought up unless we're talked about in abstention. Like we're talked about as victims, we're talked about in, you know, as 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 criminals or something of that nature, or as uh, uh, what was the term uh, used, uh, super predators. But we're seldom talked about as political entities with a clearly laid out platform of needs and political uh, points of focus. So that's the purpose behind the black male political agenda to generate that dialogue amongst amongst us and highlight the key points we think are valid. So two new submissions here um, that I will very briefly get get, go through and then we will jump into uh, our black male archetypes part two. Uh, So the first one is jury nullification. Shout out to Adam Ibmore once again, making a, a, a contribution to the list. Um, jury nullification, he says, I think jury nullification disproportionately affects black men. And as a result, 30% of the jury should be black men. But when you break it down by ethnic group, black Caribbean, African men have a different experience with racism in this country than ADOS men. So when an ADOS man has to go before a jury, 30% of that jury must be of his peers mm-hmm. who would be ADOS men, uh, which sounds very reminiscent of the Black Panther uh, uh, 10 point program in a way, but still a relevant discussion in 2020 as it ever was in the 19 uh, late 1960s or 70s. Um, 
Uh, Shop Talk says, uh, for the edge master and master teacher. All set. <laughs> I ain't heard that one before. I like that. Anyway, um, so shout out to Adam Ibmore on the jury nullification point. Sound off in terms of your thoughts about that. Um, you know, and, and people might quibble over the details, the percentages, so on and so forth. But I think the base question is, should black men actually have some type of um, uh, different treatment in regard to, you know, jury uh, nullification? I think so. I, I think so, because that's exactly what the Voting Rights Act was about. Not necessarily about the right to vote, but the right to have um, uh, your peers or black men or black people on the jury. Instead mm -hmm. of an all white jury, because they were nullifying the uh, uh, people uh, on uh, uh, black jurists because they weren't voters. So mm -hmm. that's so this has been a, a, a an issue since since uh, Reconstruction. Wow. Yeah. About have, having ha having your uh, jury, your peers, which goes all the way back to Roman times. It, mm -hmm. it, this this didn't just start with English law. This all goes all the way back to Rome. Okay. That, uh, as far as Roman law coming forward, uh, European law coming forward, that you have a right to have be judged by your peers, and um, for a very long time, black men have it. Mm -hmm. So I agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. The second one up has to do with reparations. I am a supporter of reparations, uh, you know, in particular. But this one actually proposes that black men be considered. Uh, for reparations on a slightly different set of terms, uh, not only historical in a general sense, but mm -hmm. historical in a more specified sense in regard to uh, particular treatment, you know, directed at black males in particular. Mm -hmm. um, somebody I know posted a video from Dr. Claude Anderson years ago that pointed out that black men were the primary focus of the transatlantic slave trade, particularly mm -hmm. in North America, mm -hmm. up until about 1800. Yes. And that they only began to bring in uh, black women in larger numbers post 1800 to the Civil War, or a little earlier than the Civil War when they officially kind of stopped. But this time period prior to 1800 uh, was almost entirely fixated on identifying men in a very targeted manner. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you read the book, uh, the the American Slave Coast, it was actually Thomas uh, Thomas Jefferson and, and uh, the governors of Virginia, Virginia and South Carolina. Uh, they actually wanted more money for domestic slaves because uh, they were actually, you know, the the, the uh, tobacco had kind of stripped their uh, stripped the earth, and then basically they couldn't grow very much in that in that land anymore. So the only thing they really could grow was actually people. Mm. So Thomas Jefferson actually uh, imported more black female slaves in, in starting in 1780. And actually he's the one that actually proposed the end of the, the uh, African slave trade or African slave trade coming to the Americas. Cause he wanted more the, the internal slave trade, the internal uh, domestication of slaves actually be worth more. Mm -hmm. So in other words, yes, they, they canceled the, the, the African slave trade, but the thing is they started bringing in more black women to actually, actually produce more stock more mm -hmm. slaves. And so, that's when you began to see some of the uh, breeding farms really begin to farms. boom yes. in number. Absolutely. Right. Um, we got a, a Commander Gore made a statement about tax exemptions. Mm -hmm. uh, so go ahead and, and type up your thoughts and send them to me and uh, I will uh, add yeah. them up to the list to be discussed. Yeah, there, um, there, there would be no capitalism. There would be no uh, right. modern Europe without the, without the slave trade. In fact, m uh, most of the money 
that the uh, money, silver, uh, goods and services that uh, was generated by Europe was a direct result of uh, one, the lands that they slaughtered the natives Native Americans for and the Africans that actually uh, made that land worthwhile. And that's mm -hmm. going well into real hell, well into the 1960s. It didn't stop, you know, in 1865, well mm -hmm. into the 1960s. In fact, there was a, I think mm -hmm. you posted a story where mm -hmm. there were still people locked in slavery on a yeah. sharecropping farm up in, in the 1960s that they couldn't well, leave. Well, the, I, and I also pointed out that that article title was misleading. It mm -hmm. said the 1960s, but the author acknowledged at the end of the article that it's still going on. Mm -hmm. so, so in 2020, this is still happening. And this is, I, I, I pointed out that article in the very same uh, video where I reviewed Antebellum because Antebellum kind mm -hmm. of positioned it as, oh my God, what if this is still happening kind of mm -hmm. thing. And that, that we already have a documentation that it is. The article mm -hmm. itself, uh, the author actually interviews people who escaped mm -hmm. recently. So mm -hmm. she's not talking about people that escaped back in the 50s or 60s. She's talking about people she knows wow. very recently. And I myself gave a story on there about a student that I had some years ago whose own, uh, she and her father went to uh, a plantation that his grandmother Mm -hmm. used to work on and there were still black families who were the descendants of the families that were there when his grandmother mm -hmm. was there right. so he's in his 80s mm -hmm. and he's talking about visiting this place because it was where his grandmother used to be and mm -hmm. there are still family descendants there to this day uh who were not aware that uh enslavement had officially ended mm -hmm. so uh that's definitely a current thing shout out to coach uh, ali's corner for the support thank you um, but beyond that, also looking at the very particular uh, types of brutality we experience, uh, the majority of lynchings, you know, toward directed at the black community were targeted very purposefully at mm -hmm. black men. Mm -hmm. And the majority of those lynchings also had a sexual component that had to do with the violation of the anus, mm -hmm. the penis, penis, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and all the. So that was a frequent feature. And it isn't to say that black women didn't experience this, but it is to say the overwhelming number of cases that we are aware of and have document documentation about were, were black men. So black men were targeted. Uh, we're looking at the whole clause of uh, be, having one fifth the vote vote when that was, uh, you know, when black men were uh, awarded that option. So, yeah. again, we're, we're looking at very specific acts that were targeted at black men. Also, uh, if you read, I, I think, the book uh, Slavery by Another Name, they actually talk about uh, little uh, about uh, uh, adolescent boys who are actually mm -hmm. arrested and put in into work gangs uh, for sexual favors. In other words, there weren't any women around. So to keep the prisoners calm. They actually arrest young black boys and actually put them in, in, into uh, prison camps to be raped and assaulted and mm -hmm. to be passed around as, sec as, as sexual objects. So. Yeah. This this continued hell. It might be still be happening right now, where mm -hmm. they still where they still do that. Absolutely, absolutely. And we also have to take into account uh, the ongoing and targeted police brutality, uh, hyper unemployment, and hyper incarceration that has been overwhelmingly uh, a black male experience uh, mm -hmm. to this day. Right. Yes. So so the whole question about reparations not just being limited to a discussion on purely racial or even lineage grounds, but even but also on the grounds of, of gender as it applies mm -hmm. to black men. Because again, the experiences, the policies, the behavior were often targeted to black men. Why then should the reparations push not address that? 
Um, shout out to Gold Professor for becoming a new member. Thanks for that. Good to see you here, brother. Um, so those two things to consider, jury nullification and um, um, specific reparations issues mm -hmm. uh, and how we will address that. Um, now, let's get to it itself. All right. Black male archetypes part two. If you missed the first episode, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, both um, you can purchase the archetypes from either that one or this one, part one or part two. Uh, just go ahead and, and send five dollars. You can do that on the uh, uh, through the cash app, the Venmo or PayPal. You can do it through Patreon. Just make sure you clarify that you want one of the archetype series uh, PowerPoints uh, and let me know which one and make sure you include your email address so I can get that to you. Sometimes somebody will just send five dollars. I don't know what you're looking for and I don't know where to send it to. So make sure you include that information. And I included uh, in this just an early descriptor on archetypes um, that I thought uh, today's co-host would appreciate in terms of um, Jung's approach to the archetype. But basically, mm -hmm. just to put in the context, when we talk about archetypes, we're looking at the concept as it appears in areas relating to behavior. Mm -hmm. Historical psychology and literary analysis, an archetype can be a statement, a pattern, behavior, prototype, first form, or main model that other statements, patterns uh, of behavior and objects uh, uh, copy, emulate, or merge into. Uh, Jung, in particular, in 1964, his text Man and His Symbols, uh, states that uh, his views about the archaic remnants, which he mm -hmm. calls archetypes, or mm -hmm. primordial images, have been constantly criticized by people who lack sufficient knowledge of the psychology of dreams and of mythology. Mm -hmm. The term archetype is often misunderstood as meaning certain definite mythological images or motifs, but these are nothing more than conscious representations. Such variable representations cannot be inherited. The archetype is a tendency to form such representations of a motif, representations that can vary a great deal in mm -hmm. detail without losing their basic pattern. Right. So any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, you know, uh, uh, my teacher, Dadisi, used to tell, say that archetypes are energetic patterns mm -hmm. that repeat themselves. And uh, and sometimes it, it, it can come in forms of a psychology and uh, or 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 even social media, you know, media mm -hmm. with that's being repeated verbally passed down from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And um, since we haven't really changed for the last 30, 40,000 years, you can see these archetypes keep repeating themselves in patterns in human behavior. So mm -hmm. um, even now with, with the, <laughs> we still use Roman law because people mm -hmm. haven't changed. You know? mm -hmm. uh, uh, women really haven't changed, you know, depending on the uh, environment. So all these archetypes are still alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Gold Professor for the support. Also to Art of Idmore. Appreciate the cash app. Um, well, let's go ahead and jump in. Um, mm -hmm. We got a full one tonight. And let's go ahead and start it, uh, start it right. So we're looking here at what I refer to as the mystic warrior. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. His mantra is Godhood is my birthright. Um, you know, sees spiritual meaning or deeper meaning in pretty much everything. Um, can perform spirituality and use it as a hustle to exploit people when insincere. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. It could be a performance. Uh, you know, there are people that are sincere about it and people that use the image for their own purposes, uh, does not do superficial, superficial interactions well and chooses associates very carefully 
because it can be a draining endeavor. Um, shout out to my boy, uh, Lawrence for the, uh, PayPal. Appreciate that brother. Um, so, you know, doesn't do superficial interactions. Well, chooses very carefully who to have around him because even just energetically, it can be a draining experience to have the wrong people there. Um, uh, sometimes women uh, will not engage him unless you're talking about something like a pastor, um, you know, in terms of that, mm -hmm. uh, not wholly comfortable with con conventional life. Right. And the lesson that the mystic warrior can teach is that you can have a unique inner power that's not defined by uh, external trappings. You know, sometimes you meet people that have a capacity to them that doesn't always make sense. You don't know where they gotten it from, how they maintain it, where they, you know, how they use it, but you know that there's something different about them. Mm -hmm. um, and as you can see, the image that I chose there, gods are immortal men and men are mortal gods, right? So this is the basic idea. Uh, now, one of the reasons we have the esteemed BGS, a.k.a. Robert McCall, the equalizer, on <laughs> here with me is not only to help me break down these archetypes, but also to, to kind of let us know how they match up with his concept of uh, the uh, Octane series, which if you're not familiar, go to BGS Ibmore's channel on here on YouTube and you can do a search for Oc the Octane series. He has them for men and for women. Uh, they're highly informative and they're, they're a great shorthand. They're kind of like a cheat sheet for understanding people and their motivations and their behavior. Go ahead and chime in on this, sir. Okay, normally, if, if I was to put these in octane, normally you are, either see them either, um, either, either without any money, which is very poor, which would be in 85. You see a lot of what we call mystic warriors that are uh, non-conventional, um, that are of, of, of lower class, or the opposite, which is a higher class, which you they become like almost like charismatic leaders. Mm. They've been okay. actually attract a lot of wealth and people to them. Mm -hmm. So um, normally um, you get a mystic warrior from, from people that have had a very difficult time in life, whether in childhood or even adult life, where they, be, they, they, they take a different path. They mm -hmm. spin off and they, they kind of leave the mundane behind and have to find, but forced to find, uh, more inner strength and like you said it can be exploited we see it all the time especially in the black community it's it, it's, it's been exploited i'm not going to mention the names i'm not going to mention the names, <laughs> names and, <laughs> right. and you can you can sometimes you know if if they're a little bit more, uh, uh more educated more well off they can they, they're writing books and and doing seminars and if they're not you can see them on the corners with mm -hmm different kinds of clothing and head wraps, but. <laughs> yeah. And it's but interesting yeah, it's because this, this is one you can see on the street corners all the mm. way up to the mm. uh, mega churches. The mega you church. I mean? yes. you, can, you can see those who you, who are, who strike you as sincere and those who strike you as mm -hmm. exploitive. Uh, so this one is actually a lot more significant than people might think mm -hmm. because it covers a lot. And there's only so much I can inc include in a slide, in a discussion like this, Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, this one could be, you know, incredibly inspirational or mm -hmm. highly exploitive. And yes. You yes. Know, and it all yes. depends on the quality of the person uh, you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. And, and, and basically, uh, when they when they do get popular, especially the ones that come from, as I would say, the lower classes, that's when you see the exploitation because I would say because the, they've never had power before. Mm. And if they if they become charismatic then they attract people to them and yeah, 
Sometimes you get away from you. But see, and that's a double-edged sword because with spirituality, difficulty can also breed, you know, a whole different level of consciousness. Like if Mm -hmm. you look at somebody like Malcolm, who comes from nothing, materially Mm -hmm. speaking, Mm -hmm. uh, his poverty actually, you know, by the time he Mm -hmm. begins to achieve some notoriety, Mm -hmm. you know, he turned down millions at a Mm -hmm. particular point. So, so, you know, with these kind of people, it can really go either way Mm -hmm. um, in terms of where, where, where that goes and even their past experiences um, can go, but people are already shouting out names in the comments. You can see this is one of those things, man. It's, it, people already got folks in mind. Oh, yeah. Yes, you sir. Know? That's, why, that's why picking pictures for this is sometimes a political thing. I, I can tell you some of these, I had somebody in mind, but I was like, nah, I'm not, no, no. This, I'm this, not going to put this, them out like this, that. Hey, what is it? Not the venue. <laughs> not the venue, man. This is a positive <laughs> show. We're trying to keep it positive. <laughs> right, right. So you put in who you want to put in. Yes. But, yes. but I think on every level, from like you said, the street corner to our yeah. personal relationships to people yeah. we see on TV or the internet, uh, everybody has someone in mind that fits this model on one level or another. Which is why, which is why in the past, this kind of knowledge and access was actually um, safe for the few that have been vetted and had come through a certain system so that they wouldn't abuse this kind of power. But now mm-hmm. since you have the internet and you have a social media where this, where the knowledge is actually widely available, now you have people that will take advantage of it, that haven't been vetted, haven't mm-hmm. come through a system, haven't been um, indoctrinated so they wouldn't take advantage of it. So <laughs> I, had a, I have a text that came in and says, this type of street mystic brothers all over YouTube, some with mis- <laughs> mysterious accreditation and degrees. Oh, he said mysterious. <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, usually my, my rule of thumb is if it takes me longer than two minutes to see where you got your degree from, there's, yeah. there's a problem. Yeah, there's a problem, yes. You, yeah. know, it, you know, but anyway, yeah. in, in this era we live in, information should be readily available yes uh all right so moving forward the silent deal maker Mm. right his mantra is look what i'm doing for you when will you pay me back with respect and affection Mm. uh so this is a guy we're talking about in who's in intimate relationships and will tend to do things uh for the woman he's with uh, without clearly stating his needs his boundaries Mm. things Mm. of that nature he does things for her in hopes that she will return his love mm-hmm. and affection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be argued that he, he, it's not coming from a place of love and affection, but a place of deep need and pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nevertheless, this is not somebody that articulates his needs well. Uh, so as you can see in the bullet points, makes unspoken deals for what mm-hmm. he wants, mm-hmm. but doesn't articulate, often insecure, tends to explode or implode when she does not reciprocate mm-hmm. To what he has not explained he needed. This was uh, inspired by the text. No more Mr. Nice Guy. If you haven't checked that out, right. uh, look at that. But uh, this is this. And a lot of people do this. It doesn't mean that this has to necessarily be your entire personality. Mm-hmm. But I, And I find, you know, women do this, too. But it's really this kind of under the table, you know, kind of thing. We, we've been taught that it's automatic. If, if uh, it's, it's an understood, it's a... Uh, it's, a, it's supposed to be an understood con, nonverbal contract that mm-hmm. if I do this for you, then automatically it should be understood that you're going to do X for me. And, <laughs> and we've been taught we've been taught that as yeah. you know, I'm sure as your, your mother probably didn't tell you outright, but suggested it. Right. 
I, I got GC in the comments. He says, AKA the simp. <laughs> right. <laughs> now see, that's the thing. If I if I just say that, you know, uh, we, we, we go to a certain understanding, but this is a little more subtle because it, it, it is not necessarily simp because a lot of men get married mm -hmm. to women and do things and then it and then expect there's a certain expectation that a wife is a girlfriend is supposed to provide for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the way we've been taught that if mm -hmm. if I provide uh, something for you in 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 I'm supposed to get a return, and mm -hmm. if I actually explicitly say that, women actually get upset. Mm -hmm. That you know, what do you think this is? This I'm not for sale, or it doesn't work this way, and uh, which well, I think I think that's I think they like that because it's plausible deniability. I see I hear that all the time. I see that plausible all the time. deniability. Yeah. You know, but the other part to this too, though, is is on a wider scale, mm -hmm. a lot of us have done this kind of thing because mm -hmm. since the 1980s, and, and I talked about this on Kevin Smith's show. We were told that we would be loved if we made six figures. Yes. We were told we would be adored. We would be supported. We would yeah. be appreciated yes. if we were over six feet tall, if we you know, had experience in the boardroom and in the street, if we protected, if we provided, mm -hmm. if you know, we, we were given a list. And I don't mean an abstract list. It was a bulleted list that I would argue the majority of black women can recite for you mm -hmm. upon request. Mm -hmm. At least that's been my experience in, in the classes I have. Uh, you know, most black women I've run across can recite the list of, you know, and this is something that I've been hearing since the 1980s. And mm -hmm. I think what a lot of men did is they went out to conquer the world to meet that request mm -hmm. uh, on one level or another. I haven't met too many successful brothers that were completely unaware of the benefits they were supposed to enjoy mm -hmm. if they achieved this particular list. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the, so the subtle kind of statement there is, OK, I've achieved this list. You know, can I finally get my bowl of porridge? And unfortunately, <laughs> what we find is that the goalpost gets moved. I've been saying this for the longest. You know, most people just by the nature of capitalism won't achieve that list. I mean, when you talk about black men making six figures, I mean, we're really looking at, you know, the top three percent of black men. And that was before COVID. Right. That was before COVID. So, you know, to be making six figures during COVID, uh, I would argue, puts you at a higher point than it used to percentage wise. Mm -hmm. However, um, does that guarantee love and genuine affection and support? Eh, it, no. No. <laughs> no, but that's no. It, but that's but that's what we were told. And so that's what many of us did. We went out and achieved. And the subtle request there is, you know, can 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 you be can you get all the things you were promised for that? It used to be you get, you get what you deserve. But now it's becoming you get what you can negotiate, what you can negotiate. Absolutely. Um, and the lesson that this cat can teach you is uh, how to determine value in life. Now, understand a lot of these lessons. I won't say a lot. Some of these lessons are not necessarily what the person intends to bring across to you. Sometimes it's what you can learn just paying attention to them, even mm -hmm. if they're unaware. Mm -hmm. So when you pay attention to a silent deal maker, uh, you can learn how to determine value in yourself mm -hmm. and in life by watching what he does to get value, to get appreciation, uh, even though it doesn't work. You know, you can, you can begin to understand your own worth watching someone who doesn't have a sense of his own self-worth right. uh, altogether. Um, okay, so let me move a little ahead. Next, we have the thinker. 
Now, this is the mantra I got from somebody <laughs> I know. Uh, somebody I know who talks about this, especially in regard to the difference in how men and women tend to negotiate with the world in a particular mm -hmm. way. Men often think the world, as I understand it, and we'll have a brother break that down in a moment. Um, but the thinker can be, a, can be the educated lame, but doesn't always have to be, right? And this also includes the intelligent autodidacts, which YouTube is filled with, brothers who are self-taught, self-learned, self-studied, um, uh, can see patterns and can tend to live in his own head, um, can either be socially inept or be highly adept at dealing with women. I tend to find this guy can be on the extremes. Yes. He's either a social outcast or, or, the, or, or the masters of the universe. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and the lesson that he can teach you is how to learn from others' experiences. And that's considered one of the hallmarks of wisdom. Uh, it's considered wise to learn from your own mistakes. It's considered wiser to learn from others. Mm -hmm. And the, the thinker is one who studies and pays attention, tends to learn more from other people's experiences so that he doesn't have to necessarily go through everything the hard way. But uh, please expound on the thinker in your assessment. Uh, the, well, the thinker is one form of masculinity and probably the thinker, depending on how extreme it is, he is really what they call left brain and really in his in his uh, anima, his animus. Mm -hmm. which is extremely masculine and sometimes to the point where it's it's uh he, he actually closes off his social skills or his feelings he actually mm -hmm. uh, subordinates them he actually pushes them down mm -hmm. you know, because he uses all his energy for rational thought yeah now and, now if ahead. you can now if you now the people that can integrate the two with with the being social and being wise and being smart then they tend to be more powerful people yeah and and this this isn't always something uh, by birth. Uh, well, you can also choose to. Mm -hmm. I can tell you when I started graduate well, not graduate school, when I started my doctorate, mm -hmm. I shut down the intuitive side of myself. I shut down. I purely became, um, you know, I became the thinker. Mm -hmm. I shut down anything that wasn't logical, that wasn't empirically framed. And then by the time I finished uh, my doctorate and really began to uh, you know, come into studying black men, I got even more into the the, the empirically framed. So it, it was it's only been very recently that I've begun to, you know, kind of look for that internal balance. Right. You know, but that's, you know, I, I got to a particular point between, you know, I think it, when I started my doctorate, I was newly married by mm -hmm. a couple of months. Um, at the time I had a, a, a daughter on the way, um, she passed, but um, I had a daughter on the way. So I'm supporting a family. I'm in grad school. So I'm working full time plus two other jobs, sometimes three um, while taking care of a household, uh, you know, a sick wife and an oncoming newborn child. So mm -hmm. I got to the point where I didn't have time for anything that didn't, you know, that I couldn't hold in my hand. You know what I mean? It had mm -hmm. to be, it be it had concrete, concrete. I didn't yeah. have time for anything else, or at least that's the way I thought about it at that time. And I had to kind of shut down. So the thinker is uh, is definitely that kind of person that that you know engages the empirical in that manner. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, but my only point was you don't necessarily have to be born that way. You can actually make a conscious decision to do this. Right. You can and and shut down parts yeah. of yourself. Uh, yeah, to what, what you don't what you don't feed will be diminished, and what you do feed will will grow. Mm -hmm. And this is it's part of the problem of the thinker. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. why they call them educated lanes, because you can't, you know, even if you were socially 
competent earlier. Mm -hmm. But if you concentrate on just uh, the concrete and the empirical, you will become you can become socially non adept. Right. Because you right. start to lose contact with that side of you. Mm hmm. And Mixed Night Fool is right. He talks about, you know, he, well, at least if I'm reading him correctly, he says masculinity or femininity. Uh, I may not be understanding exactly what he's saying, but the mm -hmm. internal masculine, the internal feminine, yeah, feminine. Yes. the ideal goal is to have balance. You have to have balance. Yes. Yeah. But but in times of duress, we tend to, you know, I mean, and that can even be, you know, in terms of any type of conflict, too, because what I was dealing with was a mm -hmm. particular type of conflict. But even if, you know, you get to the point where you're in a physical confrontation, you know, sometimes negotiation and diplom diplomacy and sometimes when that mm -hmm. when it becomes clear, that's not working. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. The, the, I don't mean yeah. to suggest the thinker is inactive. I mean, to suggest yeah. this is somebody that died. And, and, and basically the whole society has shifted from the internal thinker thinking or, or concrete into the more of the feeling and, and emotional and non non concrete. You know, mm -hmm. that, that's the way the children are taught, because even the uh, young men that I engage, um, they, they deal in a lot of non-concrete thinking and non mm -hmm. non-rational thinking mm -hmm. think more with how I feel. In fact, the language that oh, they yeah. use instead of I think. Oh, yeah. I, it's always I feel. I had a lot of people come at me a couple of years ago because I made a similar statement. I said, I noticed in the last decade I've mm -hmm. had more students, male and female, answer questions in class with I feel. Yes. And so immediately I had people, what's wrong with feeling? You hate feeling? What's wrong with? So mm -hmm. no, it, it's a problem if the if the conversation is about what we read yesterday and instead of mm -hmm. telling me about what we read and what you think about it, you mm -hmm. want to tell me what you feel, which in many instances is used as a deflection from the point that you didn't read. So mm -hmm. but but feelings in especially young men, I started to notice, I started to hear way more of I feel than I yes. feel. And that that began yeah. to you know trip me out. Yes. Okay. All right. So moving ahead, we now have the hater. And mm. I thought I'd have a little fun with this because <laughs> as soon as I, I thought hater, I was like, where else can I go? But Dave Chappelle, you know, <laughs> I, I had to take it to the pimps, you know, the, you know, the, the haters, you know, that was a hilarious skit. If you're not familiar, uh, but nonetheless, uh, the mantra of the hater is I hate that you're doing better than me. Mm. Um, this can be somebody who befriends you, somebody mm -hmm. who you are close to, uh, somebody that does not reveal how they actually feel about what's going on with you. Um, you know, especially in terms of your own successes. Um, you know, so this kind of person can be right next to you. It doesn't always have to be someone that, you know, hates your guts. It can be someone standing right next to you, mm -hmm. feeding you with poison about your own accomplishments and what's going on in your life. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this person tends to live in jealousy and envy, uh, no matter what he has. And this is interesting. I don't, I don't know if you remember, um, uh, uh well, it, it, there's been a couple movies on it. Uh, this, what's the name of the book? Goodness gracious. Um, it's about the gentleman who was locked in prison uh, for years and then finally gets out and goes. Oh, the Count, the Count of Monte Cristo. The Count of Monte Cristo. Thank you very much. The most recent film on it, I, I really enjoyed. Um, it was played by the same guy that played Jesus in that Mel Gibson flick. But anyway, uh, there's a point in there where his best friend, as, mm -hmm. as anybody that's read the book or seen the story, his best friend is actually wealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, and and really... When he his life starts to get a little better, right? He gets a promotion at work, 
you know, the woman he loves, mm -hmm. he's going to he's going to propose to her. His wealthy friend is jealous of him. Mm -hmm. He wanted his woman. Yeah. He, he, but he not only wanted his woman, he wanted, he, he really wanted everything that this other, that, 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 that he had. I don't want to get his name. I forgot his name. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but that kind of dynamic is what I'm ultimately talking about. Yeah, I think it was Edmund Dantes, if I'm not. Dantes, there. Thank you. Edmund yeah. Dantes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so here he has this wealthy friend who has everything in the world, owns property, you know, is wealthy. And he's relatively poor and just has a little job working on a ship. But just the slightest things that go well from him. And the per and his best friend is jealous of him, despite how much he already has. Right? Uh, does not reach his potential until he can give up envying others and focus on his own work. Uh, can turn that envy into aspiration and drive, like I said. And the lesson this person can teach you is how not to live life. Shows you what it means to be stuck. Right? To be stuck fixating on other people, what they have and what they're doing, mm -hmm. and not focusing enough on your own life. Mm -hmm. right? Um, hold on. I want to shout out real quick. Uh, shout out to MLR. Appreciate the support. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is somebody who could be stuck. Any thoughts about this and, or its relationship to the, um, octanes? Uh, um, well, this is, this is, uh, any octane because, uh, um, we call it crabs in the barrel mentality where, mm -hmm. um, and actually, we're taught this actually to tamp down your greatness or your talents. Mm -hmm. And some of this is informed by by our culture, but also this is just you know this is just you know this is throughout history. It goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. Someone has something that I want that I, that I can't have, and it's innate mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will you know either uh, tear them down or destroy them sometimes. And this is throughout all classes. This goes from um, from. Uh, a street dude, which, you know, street two street, two homeless people fighting over a cart mm -hmm. to uh, billionaires like uh, mm -hmm. Steve Jobs and, and Bill Gates. Absolutely. They were, you know, they're bitter enemies because they were jealous of each other, they were rivals. Mm -hmm. And so this, it still happens. So mm -hmm. this is his oldest time. The hater is uh, which we call Kane. Kane is his oldest time. Well, uh, shout out to Samuel for the cash app. Appreciate the support, sir. Shout out to Chain Breakers. Thank you. Chain Breaker, excuse me. Uh, but the thing about this, too, that I think mm -hmm. is interesting is is uh, when you talk about hating on this level, um, mm -hmm. damn it, where, where'd it go? I don't, the thought was is about to jump off. It, right yeah, off you, 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 you can't enjoy who you are and what your success if you're constantly wanting somebody else's because you're never oh. satisfied. Well, yeah, and I but I was I, was, I remembered. I apologize. Um, it, but when you come from a community like the black community mm -hmm. that has no inherited wealth, which is the majority of the way mm -hmm. wealth is, is, is distributed, is inherited. Uh, we, we tend to have no inherited wealth. We tend to not have any capital, especially in terms of starting businesses, mm -hmm. um, th that kind of thing. When you see somebody achieve mm -hmm. a great deal from a context where most everybody around you doesn't have much, statistically speaking, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously if you grew up in LA or whatever, you've seen people with means, but realistically, across the country, we are a community that is 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 definitely um, definitely lacks wealth. Mm -hmm. And so, when you see somebody achieve and, and come out of the same circumstances you did, mm -hmm. uh, right? You you can see what kind of thing inspires the hater, right? It, it's a lot of jealousy, but it's also a lot of insecurity about how others can do more with mm -hmm. nothing, 
than you have. And 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 sometimes they personalize it in a way that doesn't need to exist. It, it's it's not always that somebody was just some kind of genius that made something happen. Sometimes it's circumstances. The luck. It's writing. Yeah, blind luck, having mm-hmm. the right idea. Sometimes it's being in the right place at the right time. It's not necessarily people's success is not as much as we like to say. Right. In capitalism, we like to say people are successful because they came up with a brilliant idea and they went out and made it happen and then became a millionaire. No, sometimes you're just lucky as hell. You know, and and some of the most successful people we know of started out in families that were already well to do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you look at Jeff Bezos, this is not somebody that was homeless on the street and had a great. You know how many poor people I know that have a great idea, but don't have the means to make it happen. Mm hmm. Yeah. And they end up working a job the rest of their life. I mean, that, that that's actually more normal or in terms of what most people deal with every day than, than the alternative. Uh, shout out to Seventh Coast Dojo for becoming a new member. Uh, so what I'm saying is, you know, it, it, the hater internalizes this and see when 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 he sees others do well and makes it about um, his own inability. When in actuality, there are a lot of reasons for success. Uh, that don't necessarily always have to come back to who to you know to your personal issues, uh, but all, nevertheless, you still got to get out and make it happen and focus more on what you're doing than what others are. Yep. Uh, in terms of that, so uh, there we go with the hater. Um, next up, we have the hustler, and this can actually the next this one and the next one is actually what uh, can inspire the hater to hate. Um, the, the the hustler's mentality is or mantra is I got to make it happen no matter what. Mm-hmm. Got to make it happen no matter what. The, he's a developing CEO, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. in, in the best of circumstances. Tends to be tenacious, ambitious, is willing to take risks. Um, often, you know, starts with no capital. Um, mm-hmm. You know, having to start from scratch. Right. Um, when mature, makes his environment work for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, the whole mantra about working smarter and not harder. Right. Uh, but the lesson he can teach you is the value of time and effort. If you are somebody, I mean, e- even Steve Harvey, you know, likes to talk about, you know, what well to do people do and how, how successful people do. And they don't tend to sleep a lot. I remember him making a statement about that. Yes. There's not a, there's not a whole lot that I agree with Steve Harvey about. But, you know, um, I, I will suggest that when I have seen people successful, Mm-hmm. And no matter what level, as a matter of fact, when I've seen seen them successful, uh, most of the time they tend to have a focus on the world and about the value of time and effort that others mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, while you're sleeping and relaxing, they're figuring out new ways to push the mm-hmm. boundaries of their own lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be an invaluable uh, tool. But uh, any thoughts about this one, sir? Oh, yeah. Uh, the Hustler. Uh... Now, I think that the, the term nowadays is that they're borrowing it from uh, the mud sill is getting it out of the mud. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, mm-hmm. they're going to succeed by any means necessary and they won't stop till they do it. So um, they're constantly on. Um, they're constantly they're constantly grinding. They're constantly looking for avenues. And the thing is, is that what um, what this actually identifies is their willingness to take risks. Mm-hmm. OK, get mm-hmm. it. it they're willing to uh, if they see something, an opening, an opportunity, um, uh, the hustler doesn't hesitate. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times with, with most people, they see an opportunity, they'll sit back and they'll say, well, maybe if the, the situation is right and and like they have to line up their, you know, all their ducks in a row. But the hustler doesn't. It's immediate. 
They see mm-hmm. an opening, they strike. Mm-hmm. And, then, and they'll keep striking until one of them hits. Mm-hmm. So um, this is the epitome of, of a Jay-Z, the epitome of a, of a uh, I can't remember his name from um, out of New Orleans, um, No Limit. Um, oh, Okay. Um, yeah, Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. uh, Ice Cube. That's the epitome. They they see an opportunity. They don't they don't hesitate, and they mm-hmm. keep working the they keep working this plan until they actually make it, and mm-hmm. that's a very noble quality. Um, it's the same. It's really it's the same quality that you see in, in tech with the with the uh, CEOs as a Bezos, as a Gates, as a as a Jobs, as you know even um, even Michael Dell who sold the uh, computers out of his dorm room at the University of Texas. Okay, mm-hmm. that type of get it out of the mud mentality. So it doesn't. Yeah. It's not just a black thing or a poor thing. Mm-hmm. Basically, it, it happens. You know, for all successful people, at some point they can actually point to where they saw an opportunity and they just, you know, basically they dug in and they got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Officer Faulkner becoming a member of the Onyx Report uh, program. Good to have you, brother. Uh, Master P is who you're referring to. Master Thanks, P. Brother. Thanks, yeah. Reginald. Uh, appreciate that. Um, all right, we got people in here from Canada. All right, okay. Uh, so now, did, now, as far as the hustler is, it, did you did you, the relationship with the octanes? Did you say? Oh, these are these these are baller level people. Okay, these are baller level. These are hundred octane baller level people, and then their lifestyles reflect that because uh, they're highly driven. Uh, they they're they're highly motivated, and even when they have fun, it, they do it to excess. So, well, but but think about also, I mean, you know, you, you got the cats that are selling incense uh, with mm-hmm. uh, uh, a high scholar. Appreciate the membership, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you got the people selling incense. You got the people, you know, grinding at night, going to, you know, communities, college, taking mm-hmm. care of kids. Mm-hmm. But they don't they may not have a, you know, a, a traditional kind of job, but they're right. out there doing a lot of different odd. And, I, and you know, and it, it, it doesn't always lead to Jay-Z kind of results. as No, we know, but, no, no. no. Well, um, that's, the, that, that's, you know, those are the uh, obvious examples. I mean, you have people mm-hmm. that, you know, have people that make. You know, a million dollars a year, you know, hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars a year selling hot dogs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And, those, and, and, such and, people. and you've just highlighted a whole nother area to that too. Unconventional thinking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because you know, if you say I'm selling hot dogs, and people might look at you a certain way, mm-hmm. but you mess around and say you're selling hot dogs, and you made three hundred thousand last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, I know. I, I, I interviewed a, a man that uh, he didn't have an education. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't work. Didn't work a corporate job. He said that he made four hundred dollars a day, basically mm-hmm. parking himself in in his little uh, detail kit on a certain corner where rich white people would drive by, and he would basically make four hundred dollars a day cleaning uh, cleaning their cars for like five or ten dollars before they went to work, making sure that it was wow. uh, yeah he would make four hundred dollars a day. Mm-hmm. And if if you if you total that up, that's a hundred thousand dollars a year just doing yeah. that. That oh, yeah. just seeing the opportunity and seizing it. That's the hustler. Yeah. And my, my, my stepfather who you were kind enough to do a show about years ago, mm-hmm. um, he shined shoes. I mean, prior to that, during the recession, he was collecting metal around, mm-hmm. you know, collecting metal and bringing it in. But the thing about it is, uh, you know, in, in his blood related family, he was the only one that owned the house. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was the only one that, that, you know, people came to when they had mm-hmm. needs, they needed help. And here he is collecting metal and shining shoes. You know what I mean? So people would look at him and just assume whatever, but 
he was actually doing fairly well, mm -hmm. doing better than people around him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what I tend to find is the hustler tends to be not, you know, unconventional in their approach. Right. Um, and yet that, you know, cause they understand that that could, that can lead to something. Mm -hmm. Um, so next up, we actually have the CEO. Mm -hmm. This is the other, this is the, this is the pinnacle of mm -hmm. where the hustlers are actually leading to. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right. Whose mantra is I run this mm -hmm. right. Strong, Tends to be strong, smart, and enterprising. Uh, a leader uh, at full maturation doesn't tend to follow others. Um, if ben uh, beneficent, can help a wide number of people. If malevolent or self-absorbed, can hurt large numbers of people, even indirectly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but tends to have an impact one way or the other, right? And the lesson you can learn from him is that uh, he can teach you how to determine a path and build. Mm -hmm. and one of the things my father used to teach me uh, consistently. And shout out to Bennett for the cash app. Uh, he used to teach me when I was young about uh, it was two things, setting priorities and following something through to its completion. And he used to tell me how these are two essential skills for a man. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, 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 and so he would just drill that into me over and over in the years. What are your priorities and are you being consistent and driven about accomplishing them. Mm -hmm. And so if I started a task, he wouldn't, he wouldn't let me finish until I'd finished. He mm -hmm. wouldn't let me quit. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He was always big about that. He didn't care what it was, but again, he, you know, setting your priorities and following through the CEO is the culmination of that. Mm -hmm. So when you see that, you know, usually, especially if you see people who've been grinding for a long time, right. they, they've been like a dog on a bone about mm -hmm. one particular thing for a long time. And when they finally, you know, kind of break mm -hmm. and you see how they've succeeded at that thing, it reminds you of the importance of, of being adamant and mm -hmm. tenacious about what you're doing. But any, any, any thoughts about this in any relation to the oct octane? Oh, that, you know, this is the Uber hundred octane. This is the jet set. This is the, uh, this is the uh, top level of what we call the baller. Okay. The mm -hmm. baller hundred octane class. This is the guy that, you know, <laughs> If you're the CEO, especially at this level, this is the guy that can actually rent a private jet and take a, a weekend, mm -hmm. you know, in a different country. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like I said, this is a but it also uh, people with this mentality also tend to do this kind of these kind of things. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have people that are not not quite at this at the, that million dollar level, even hundred million dollar level. They could actually but they have this this mentality that mm -hmm. actually um, have the mentality of the CEO. Right. And the, the importance of grinding, the importance of actually investing in the, the, the mentality of how to how to make money, but also how to run things. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, OK. Uh, next one up. Uh, oh, I went the other way. There we go. The eternal father. Now, this is a variation mm -hmm. on one of the ones we talked about in the last one. And, and, and one of the members of the comments made we, we began to have this conversation in the first show because we were talking about the eternal uh, boy. Mm -hmm. uh, it was kind of a, who had a Peter Peter Pan syndrome. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we started to talk about, even in the last show, was the way in which some people are the direct opposite of that. Mm -hmm. You know, some people, despite how young they may be, have mm -hmm. a quality about them. They have an old soul. An old soul, as they used to say. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can kind of, you know, feel that off of certain people. Uh, and again, despite age, you know, they could be 18 years. And I remember people I used to go to school with, you know, that were driven and focused mm -hmm. and mature. And I'm like, mm -hmm. how are you 16 mm -hmm. talking about, you know, talking like you're 30? But this, you know, that's kind of how they come across. So their mantra is there's no time to play. There's work to be done. Mm -hmm. right? 
the opposite of the eternal boy. This archetype focuses on those who are not only mature, mm-hmm. but seem so despite age, can even be underage youth, but maybe someone who has always come across as an old soul. The lesson they can teach you is how to determine a, a path and build as well. I mean, that, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, but the value of, of you know people like this mm-hmm. is that they help you break away from assumptions that progress and 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 growth can only take place with age and that if you you know and that you have to kind of follow everybody else to get through they tend to be uh very outspoken uh, and very principled in their own way um and it, despite uh, what else is going on around them mm-hmm. uh, any thoughts on this you know, they've they've learned and recognized the value of discipline early Mm-hmm. And uh, that normally doesn't come to <clears throat> your 30, you know, your 30s, mid 30s, and depending on people that learn it late, sometimes in their 50s. Mm. And um, well, like, like I said, this is the opposite of the eternal boy. Mm-hmm. Responsibility, discipline, uh, time management, all that kind of stuff that most people don't learn to like them until they're well into their 30s. And some people learn it in their uh, in their uh, their teens and 20s. Uh, we mm-hmm. just had one die, uh, which is Chadwick Boseman. You yeah. can see it in him. Oh, yeah. he, he even when it, even his early uh, films, his early interactions when he was in in, in college, you could see it mm-hmm. that he was he had a different he had a different manner about him, a more a maturity about him that mm-hmm. was unusual. And and matter of fact, I'm going to shout out Daniel Scott in the comments. He said something that I thought was very appropriate to this. He he, he said Tupac was both an eternal boy and an eternal father. And I think there's something in that 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 we can reflect upon for a moment. Mm-hmm. Depending on when you caught him and what mm-hmm. he was talking about, mm-hmm. you know, some people can seem to 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 straddle that fence one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there were. I mean, clearly, I mean, we could point out songs that were incredibly wise in their mm-hmm. own way. And then you know, he, moments where he got into trouble and 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 drama that you know. I, I think I think coming from Tupac's background. Um, which is mm-hmm. uh, if our father was, I do believe, was a Black Panther, and his mother mm-hmm. was associated with it, mm-hmm. and which basically destroyed her. You know, the United States basically destroyed it. He carried a heavy burden. I, I think he went to the Eternal Boy to actually escape that that burden that he had because he's mm-hmm. he was more mature than most people. That's, but I think he tried to reject it, mm-hmm. and so you see the wildness, the wild side of Tupac, especially after I think it was when he had to go to prison, and. Uh, well, well, no, but it, well, I was going to say there, there's, and one of the documentaries, and there were so many, they're blurring together in my mm-hmm. head. But mm-hmm. one of the documentaries they interviewed Shock G, mm-hmm. right? Shock G, the rapper out of Oakland, um, who you know did the Humpty Dance, and mm-hmm. and he was talking about when Pac was sentenced, mm-hmm. you know, and and at one point before the judge sentenced him, they asked him, "Do you have anything to say?" And he stood up, and he, you know, he began to talk about. You know how he wasn't going to get justice, especially since the judge didn't even have the courage to look him in the eye. And mm-hmm. he was going, and now you know. So imagine that mm-hmm. in court, you know, talking about you know how absent justice is mm-hmm. in situation. And in the fun, in the trippiest part, I don't mean to say funny. In the trippiest part, and it kind of touched me was shock started to cry, mm-hmm. telling the story mm-hmm. because he was so moved at the courage it took to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing it justice. If you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a long time, you probably can find just that scene on YouTube. But even in him telling the story, you can see mm-hmm. the kind of inspiration, those kind of act, what, what that did just to shock G. And, and yeah. the impact yeah. in the yeah. That doesn't come from somebody that doesn't have the capacity to be. You can't fake that. 
No, he, he, he basically there's a story that he told when he was a little boy uh, that uh, when the cops came in and started uh, basically manhandling his mother, he said, those cops called my mother a bitch so many times I couldn't count. So he has he grew up with that. Mm. He grew up with it, with that burden on him, you know, mm-hmm. even with his name, uh, Shining Path, Tupac, yeah, Tupac yeah. mm-hmm. Amaru, you know, the, the Shining Amaru, Path, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, that the name alone tells you the burden that he carried from time he was a child, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think after he got arrested, he got out. I think he wanted to enjoy the boy side, the boy he was never allowed to be, right? M- much like Michael Jackson did when he grew up, when, when he uh. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was he was he was the old man until he got mm-hmm. a lot of money. And then he decided uh, <laughs> right. he, wanted to, he wanted to revisit right. his boyhood. So yeah. yeah, yeah, he was definitely beyond his years when he was younger mm-hmm. and seemed to shift the other way. And that and that also speaks to how these are not etched in stone in the sense no. that you're you're just one of these and that's it. You know, you, you, there are several of them that you may feel you have mm-hmm. some connection to these archetypes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't mean to suggest that you know if you identify with one, that's all you are. Uh, no, not by any means. Um, but uh, OK, so moving on, uh, I thought you might have a little fun with this one. Um, <laughs> the uncle and his mantra is you, <laughs> you niggas ain't shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he uses whiteness as a standard for all human endeavor. Uh, this is not limited by age, despite the representations we see in media always conveying an old man. You can see this across the age spectrum, right? Uh, tends to see black people as inherently trifling, both genders, men, men and women. Uh-huh. Uh, bears an undue hostility toward, and always assumes the worst. Assumes the worst about black people has often endured. Now, here's the other part to this: has often endured pain and trauma uh, from black folk, family, mm-hmm. maybe family, maybe uh-huh. communal, uh, and that doesn't often come up when we think about. Uh, the uncle in that way. But this mm-hmm. is often somebody who has experienced some degree of trauma uh, and that's often unresolved mm-hmm. um, and tends to still blame, uh, you know, in some kind of way, ra- you know, rather than actually dealing with it. You might even mm-hmm. get therapy. But at the end of the day, there's usually uh, an underlying trauma uh, to a lot of this. But and matter of fact, even if you uh, Uncle Ruckus, who I use the image for mm-hmm. Boondock series, when you look at his his early story, even Uncle Ruckus yes. experienced some early trauma, you know, mm-hmm. in terms and made the assumption that being white would be the answer mm-hmm. to that trauma. Yes. But that tends to be a factor in these kind of uh, men's lives. Mm-hmm. And the lesson that he can teach you is uh, the value of resolving past pain, because, again, if you don't resolve past pain, you can become very stuck uh, even without knowing it. Um, and, and, and you tend to deny growth in your own self. And this person is the living embodiment of that. Right. He's, he's stuck, but go ahead. Sir. You know, basically I, I said this, uh, a while back, um, this is the myth of white manhood. Mm. Okay. And I had a, a young lady actually, uh, tell me that, uh, uh, we expressed, uh, self-hatred, uh, towards our women. I said, no, we don't. We express self-hatred toward each other. Okay, black man, uh, the double-mindedness of of uh, of black males mm-hmm. uh, will embrace the white side and or embrace with the the white slave master's teachings, and you'll start thinking of your own people, your own man, men especially, the same way that white people think of them. So you get uh, Charles Barkley and a few others that, 
express this. You, 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 everybody knows one, right? But it also, the thing is why it bothers us is because that same thing lives within every black man. Mm-hmm. We have to, some people suppress it better than others, but the thing is, it, it still does. We see get embarrassed because uh, uh, um, people get killed in Chicago or there's a drive by, which you're supposed to get upset. We would never actually consider the factors that actually led up to it. Mm-hmm. And we have to really remind ourselves and actually concentrate of, okay, they did this or they, they're, they're, there's a uh, malfunction with black men, especially, but mm-hmm. think there's a reason behind it. And mm-hmm. the thing is, is that uh, most most black men actually address it. Okay, let's get rid of the dysfunction. But um, some people, like the uncle, will actually embrace whiteness and say the only way to actually get rid of this dysfunction is basically I um, punish those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, I got I got to shout out to Windu because he just. He just had me. <laughs> so I got to give you props on that one, Forrest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In, in fact, in fact, there's some there's some people that go around that that uh, that uh, you know that constantly talk about the drive-bys in Chicago and the murders in Chicago, but and um, and they or say if. Uh, a brother gets shot instantly by a cop. They'd be the first one that says, "Okay, what was he doing?" In other words, they mimic and actually model white behavior. But that's that's the myth of white manhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if I if I can suppress these ninjas, as Force yeah. Windows says, then the white man will accept me as human. And is this one also all over the octanes, or are there specific ones? This that is, they're, this, they're, they're all over the octanes. All you over. can okay. you can find them everywhere, from the street corners to the to the. Uh, to the sports booths, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to even mention their names because there's tons of them in sports booths. There's there's tons of them in politics. There's mm-hmm. tons of them in business. Okay, mm-hmm. there's also tons of them that they're pushing a cart. So, mm. so it's, it's so it's equally distributed. But this is the this the this identifies the self hatred that's inside men, and mm-hmm. this is specifically how men actually uh, uh, promote self hatred. They don't attack other people; they attack their own. They attack other men. Absolutely. Okay. Um, uh, close to about 400 people in the building. Please make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Support the channel. Um, you can do so on a number of different levels. Become a member uh, of the channel. You can do so through Cash App, PayPal, Patreon, or Venmo. Um, but uh, definitely, definitely support the channel. Um, hold on. All right. Now the next one is actually uh, a, it's kind of two parts, and I'm only going to use this one slide for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, with this one, you have the master manipulator, but you also have just the manipulator. So, you know, so not everybody is a master at what they do. Um, and and again, this is one of those hot topic ones where what image I chose mm-hmm. would be highly political. <laughs> so I chose one that is, you know, just in the news and verified. So we so we don't have to go through accusing people of something they may or may not have done and going back and forth over that. But the master manipulator. Uh, the mantra is I'll get this money, especially mm-hmm. if I get it through you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is somebody that uh, is looking to use others for their own profit, their own advancement, uh, can often tend to be uh, sociopathic. They mm-hmm. tend to avoid empathy, mm-hmm. uh, smart, creative, uh, you know, and that's the other thing. You know, yeah. it, it, not nobody is all bad, all good. You know, people are people are three dimensional. 
Now, I do want to clarify because I had a question about this in the comments uh, a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. uh, why did the women? Why were the women's uh, the women's archetypes somewhat negative, and why was I humanizing the men? And the reason for that was the context. I started the women's archetypes after the uh, Jada Pinkett Smith issue. Mm -hmm. And I was looking specifically at what I called predatorial archetypes. Yes, yes. Right. They, we, because I think the positive archetypes for women, we see all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see them in the media. We see them, you know, in all kinds of forms and, and all kinds of media venues are propping up women. Um, so I didn't think it was necessary to, to, to contribute to that necessarily. I thought it would be interesting to examine the negative archetypes because we don't hear that a lot in regard to women. Uh, uh, the goddess must be worshipped at all times. Did you not know that, uh, Dr. Johnson? Is, you see what I mean? You see what I mean? So for the men, I was like, look, you know, I'm, I'm talking about black men. So they're going to be positive and negative attributes all over the place. Mm -hmm. But I thought it necessary to focus on trying to balance the humanity of black men in the context of these archetypes, because, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, we see negative archetypes all the time in relation mm -hmm. to black men. I'm not going to deny they exist, but I'm going to focus on the humanity that comes uh, that that produces this for, for better or for worse. Uh, so the manipulator can be smart, can mm -hmm. be creative um, and can tend to rebuild themselves from scratch when necessary. Um, they can, they, they often tend to come from lack in terms mm -hmm. of, of how they've come up and sees the superficial as a means for making up for their insecurities. Um, in, in other words, what I own, what I have will make up for what I'm not. Um, and they can teach you the value of a trustworthy reputation. In other words, uh, your, your livelihood is often based on your reputation. And when you see somebody who is willing to do things um, despite how they're thought of, despite how it impacts their reputation, uh, you can often learn a lesson about the importance of maintaining a good name, maintaining a, a, a name that, that, that holds the values that you espouse. Because uh, once you sacrifice that name, uh, you, it's often very hard to break away from the negativity that comes with that. Mm, don't we know it? Mm -hmm. uh, but but any thoughts about the manipulator or the master manipulator? Oh, the the master manipulator is when the uh, when the mystic warrior meets the uh, the negative side of the mystic warrior meets the negative side of the hustler. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because those two things give you the master manip manipulator. Mm -hmm. And and I think a lot of people would think of the hustler as a manipulator. And it doesn't need to necessarily be that at all. Hustling can be a positive. It doesn't. Yeah. Oh yeah. Be, yeah. It, it depends. That's the negative. That's the negative side when you're using mm -hmm. people to for your ends. The same mm -hmm. thing with the mystic warrior when you're using people toward that end. That's the negative side. Instead of yeah. instead of serving people, the mystic warrior is supposed to serve people, not use them. Right. And and to be clear, I tied it to the material here, but the master manipulator doesn't have to to deal with materiality at all. The master no. manipulator can can be manipulative on emotional grounds. Mm -hmm. It can be manipulative just in terms of their speech. It, you know, manipulation doesn't always have to have a material gain. Uh, some people like to manipulate just to hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. And, they get, and they get a kick out of that. There's a there's a kind of power rush mm -hmm. at being able to hurt other people uh, at their own whim. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I don't mean to suggest that that's the only way. Mm -hmm. uh, but here we go. So the next one up is the selfless sacrificial hero. Mm. Um, and what you have with this person 
is because I belong to the struggle, I'll die for your sins as often as you need me to. Mm. This is somebody who gives of himself even to his own detriment, right? Uh, avatars for people like this are, you know, Martin Luther King, you know, mm -hmm. Malcolm, and there are a number of others uh, we can mm -hmm. list in here. Uh, this can include pastors and what I call unsung activists. Those are activists that, that might have been, you know, working for decades and nobody necessarily knows their name. Mm -hmm. but they still do that work anyway, mm -hmm. because it wasn't about recognition. It was about helping people. Um, you know, they can they tend to be tend to have what I call protective alpha characteristics. Mm -hmm. It's a component of the alpha. A lot of people don't think about the capacity to protect kith and kin, mm -hmm. you know, the, the capacity to protect those that are in his charge mm -hmm. um, can tend to be egoless and de deprioritize his own needs, even to his detriment. Mm -hmm. uh, and often will sacrifice himself uh, for the greater good, uh, teaches the need for balance. And the reason I say that is sometimes this guy can go so far over that, again, he costs his own, himself, his own mm -hmm. well-being, his own advancement um, mm -hmm. in a way that 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 can be harmful um, and can be problematic. You know, you know, one of the best examples of that is, is uh, in terms of fiction is Batman. Mm. Batman is is one who who does not have balance. He's not. He's yes, yeah, no. He's 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 actually very um, beyond driven. Uh, and, and some of his Robins have talked about this. He's compulsive mm -hmm. about what he's doing, and 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 he doesn't know how to stop. He can't stop himself even if he wanted to. And so there is a point, you know, outside of a fiction a fictional situation where doing that to too great a degree can actually mm -hmm. be harmful. Mm -hmm. But that is his characteristic nonetheless. And in relationships, he tends to sacrifice for the woman he's with, mm -hmm. uh, again, uh, for her benefit with no thought to his own. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that can be both a positive quality, but also both, a, you know, a, a, a negative in the sense of what it does. Right. And, and well, that lines up with also with the uh, with the uh, silent deal maker. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Where yeah. they where they keep giving because there's there's an implicit contract right. that you think you have and it's not necessarily that but the thing is you can't turn it off when mm -hmm. it goes too far you mm -hmm. become almost a martyr to to yeah. your own, your cause and it's very martyr yes absolutely the martyr is a consistent trope in that uh, and that and that goes to what you just said also goes to the whole notion of I will continually die for your sins as often mm -hmm. as you need me to mm -hmm. the subtext to that is in a relationship. Is um you know I I hope you'll love me for it mm -hmm. you know and that doesn't always occur. Mm. Um, any thought about octanes here? No, this is this is universal. Okay, this is a universal. Uh, 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 it, it tends to be uh, more the uh, uh, I would say the eighty sevens, which is the the working man, the working mm. class man that that goes to work 10, 12, uh, 14 hours a day in. Um, and neglects himself, you know, mm -hmm. uh, his health is in, in, in his, uh, in his well-being. sometimes it'll, to the point where, you know, we'll come on one day and his wife and kids are gone. He sacrificed oh, wow. himself for, yeah. or, or, or even on a, a worst case is that you've, he's literally worked himself to death and, mm -hmm. uh, he's carried, you know, uh, a couple of families. He's had uh, a couple of sets of kids and he's always the one that's never at home because he's mm -hmm. constantly grinding and, uh, Everybody else lives a good good life except him. He never stops. And then one day he gets sick and he's gone. And 
you know. And and, and you know that. Yeah. Go ahead. The, no, the a few tears, a few tears are shed at his funeral. But thing is, he never got to smell his roses when he was alive. Damn, man. And you see, I'm black, black, especially the what we call the uh, the good black man. You see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know that that had that you you're speaking on multiple levels right now, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's a few people blowing up the comment section in, in regard to this one. I think it bears mentioning mm-hmm. 72 paths describes this as the cross bearers, which I think is a, is a relevant term in regard to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cross bearers. Um, and then some started actually naming out uh, individuals, you know, you, mm-hmm. you know, Adam talked about George uh, Jackson, mm-hmm. right? Bernadette talks about Darren Seals. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, hold on. Ah, the whole thing got thrown off. Oh, we, 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 we personally know uh, a few. You know, oh, yeah. Malcolm. Know few. Yeah. I mean, you Malcolm. know, personally, we know, you know, teachers and stuff like that that never got their due. Um, wow. You know, uh, like, there like, must yeah. be a lot of those. I, yeah. I, I wonder who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> um, Adam points out Walter Rodney, right? Yes. Um, you know, these are these are men. And I also want to say now these are, are well-known men, um, you know, uh, that we're familiar with. But but here's the thing. I think this is something that black men have suffered with that nobody talks about for the longest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to I used to joke about how many women I would meet that when I asked about their families, they could mm-hmm. talk about their grandmothers who are mm-hmm. still alive and, mm-hmm. and running the family. And I, and I, you know, I'd always just kind of say, well, what happened to your grandfather? Oh, he died several decades ago. Mm-hmm. He died in the eighties. He died mm-hmm. in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Well, what did he do? Oh, well, he worked at a, a lumber mill for 30 years or he worked as a, you know what I mean? He mm-hmm. did something for decades Mm-hmm. And I know my own grandfathers were like that. They did something they they didn't they didn't even like mm-hmm. because like wasn't even a factor. What they enjoyed was irrelevant. They did right. decades worth of sacrificial work for the families they loved, mm-hmm. and then you know you they when they died, the families continued on, and you know mm-hmm. big big mama is the head of the household, and it mm-hmm. is what it is. Mm-hmm. But you know when you asked about her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, oh wow! Yeah, he, he. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know how is the the old patriarch who's uh, uh, you, in certain certain groups, the pictures over the mantle and say, "Who's that?" Well, that's your that was your grandfather or your great grandfather, and mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but fortunately for black men, they they have to go way in the back and up to in, into into attic and pull out the old album to actually uh, know who he actually was because his picture is not out front anymore. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And 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 only a select group know him or remember him, right? Mm-hmm. So, so younger kids don't know him, and anybody uh anybody younger than twenty in the family don't know mm-hmm. who he is. They just see mm-hmm. the picture. Mm-hmm. But you know, you definitely see that. Um, and that kind of self-sacrificing, you know, role mm-hmm. we see going on in family. So it's not just some of the more famous people. Um, where you see that with it's the it's the long suffering, the long sacrificing mm-hmm. father who's bringing home his mm-hmm. contribution to the household for decades. And the funny part, and I don't mean funny, but oh, the, it, the it, part we, after that mm-hmm. is is how the home that he bought, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? The family still has, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like the, the the degrees he paid for, the family still benefits from. Mm-hmm. The sacrifices mm-hmm. he made are still incurring value to mm-hmm. this day and this is one that i teach uh because uh, you know i often uh i show the film um a raisin uh in the sun mm-hmm. 
um, every semester in my intro Africana studies class. And one of the things we talk about is the whole story starts with the death of the, of the father. Mm-hmm. He's never shown. He, he, we don't hear his words. The whole story centers around an insurance check mm-hmm. that comes that is on its way because of his sacrifice. Of the mm-hmm. life he led. Now, he wasn't perfect. He might have been an alcoholic. He might have womanized. But the family didn't want for anything, mm-hmm. you know, for decades. And and what, what, what I'm seeing more often than not is those kind of men being ignored. Mm-hmm. Those kind of men not being talked about, especially in light of everybody's discussion about high value men right now. We're not talking about, you know, the grandfathers, the great grandfathers and hell, some of the fathers and stepfathers, stepfathers, especially stepfathers. Yes, especially stepfathers that have raised us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, you know, th- that sacrificial person, um, you know, is still around. Mm-hmm. It's still around. Um, let me see here. Okay. All right. So, and, the, and the fact is, is when things go wrong, they uh, they expect men that have stopped doing it to, to step up and do it again, even though it wasn't recognized when they were doing it. It wasn't recognized when they were yeah, doing it. Yeah. Right. I think I think that's what you have now. You have a lot of people, especially during COVID, mm-hmm. that want that long suffering man to come in come and, back. And, yeah. and support them. But what you know, what people forget was that there used to be an exchange. There mm-hmm. was an exchange of resources. There was an exchange of masculine and feminine energy. The sacrifice, the protection, the provisioning came with cooperation. Mm-hmm. It came with feminine companionship. That was the exchange. Mm-hmm. And you could probably add some other elements to that exchange. But my only point is I think the exchange notion has been lost. Mm-hmm. And people are asking for the male part of the exchange mm-hmm. with nothing in return. Mm-hmm. I will die for you as many times as you need me to. See, there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now, this one is all you, sir. Yeah. This one is all you. This has BGS written all over it. Uh, the sage hermit monk. Mm-hmm. And his mantra is sit and listen. And with good reason, much of the time. But uh, I'm going to let you kind of just jump off on this one, sir. So, Okay. The uh, the monk, the monk, is, monk is, is, should be the last step when you've gone through everything else. And, and when you're actually looking back and you're detaching from... Um, from the mundane world, as, as, as Daddy used to say, the mundane world, mm-hmm. and you actually can actually reflect upon it with without without uh, without emotion, mm-hmm. you can see the world more clearly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, um, it's very difficult to get it when you're young, and a lot of people that um, that that don't understand it, you know, because you can't understand it when you're young. When you're under, I would say, when you're under fifty, it's impossible to understand the sage or the monk and their and their motivations because um, what normally motivates a man uh, when he's in his, especially in his, his teens and twenties and even his thirties, uh, no longer motivates you. I mean, mm-hmm. you're actually for you're looking for other pursuits. Like the sage, your monk is actually looking to be an oracle, mm. looking to be a father of knowledge, looking to be get that inner wisdom that can can only come from being from being monkhood, from being detached. Mm-hmm. Because your oracle cannot appear unless you do that, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's very difficult for a young man to make that sacrifice because you have to give up the flesh. Mm-hmm. Got to be w- willing to give up the flesh, which is why I say the the sage, the monk, the hermit is the picture is the old man in the cave. The 
way on top of the mountain where you have to go see him because he separated himself from from the world, from the flesh, from the from the uh, entanglements, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. emotional entanglements that exist in w- amongst the rest of the population. OK, mm-hmm. you have to separate, you have to isolate yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Carolyn May says a lot of people are roaming around that, that are monks without monasteries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they had to they, they have to make a special effort to actually isolate themselves uh, mm-hmm. from from their surroundings, right? From 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 the uh, emotional surroundings of, of people. Mm-hmm. Okay, you used to be able to go places, actually isolate yourself and actually do it, but now you have to make a special effort to do it. And the mm-hmm. funny thing is, there's people do seek you out for your wisdom, mm-hmm. for your insight, because they know that you that you've gone through that extra that last extra step. Well, well, how, how, how do you know that, sir? I mean, you seem to have some understanding of it. I have I have lived the, the, the monk and monastery lifestyle for the last seven or eight years. And uh, mm-hmm. and like I said, I, it, it was difficult for me even in my 50s. Mm-hmm. So it's something I would never suggest for a young man because, the you know, the, 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 the urge of the flesh is still there. It's going to be there. And uh, and that's a tough battle. Um, that's that's why you you normally only see it with men that are older than 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 fifty. Well, and I I've apprenticed for um, some of these sage monks um, over the mm-hmm. years, and so I've kind of seen their inner lives as well. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the isolation. I've seen um, j- you know just the like one of the things I noticed is they they t- they have a difficulty with trying to bear the mundane, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 I went to I remember years ago I went to see a, a, a there was a show with uh, Dick Gregory and Paul Mooney. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about the most pissed off men. <laughs> but they weren't, it wasn't like they were just pissed about racism. They, they really just, you know, could not like even engaging the audience. They could mm-hmm. not deal with just mundane level. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, was, it was such an intensity um, to that, but you know, that reminds me of the number of the people that I apprenticed for my mentors. I had, that sacrificed mm-hmm. decades right. for whatever it is they were studying. And I put a couple of pictures in here of some of the people that kind of fit that category, even though, you mm-hmm. know, a, a number were married. I mean, you know, I'm not suggesting that, that they, they, that they avo- avoided women their entire lives, mm-hmm. but the, you know, the particular people I chose up here, uh, Dr. John Henry Clark, you know, Dr. Ben, uh, Dr. Joseph, uh, McConnell, uh, Oh, Doctor, forgive me. I'm all over the place. I'm um, Joseph Benyakanen, and then um, Dadisi Sanika at the mm-hmm. bottom right. And mm-hmm. now I only chose the image right there, Morgan Freeman, not to represent Morgan or any particular story, but just the the kind of visage of mm-hmm. you know, older the sage. So that was mm-hmm. only I put, I picked him. But these men and many others that I've met uh, generally spent decades. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sacrificing themselves, detaching mm-hmm. from the mundane, and and really trying to make a statement about life beyond mm-hmm. the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, has that been your experience? Yes, I mean, basically, um, if you're a fish, you can't ex- really experience water until you're out of it, mm-hmm. because it's no- because it becomes part of you, become blind to it. But if, mm-hmm. if somebody lifts you out of the water. And separates you from it. Then you can actually look down upon it and say, "Oh, I get it." Mm-hmm. And you see other little fish swimming around in the water. And say, "Oh, that was me at one time." Mm-hmm. 
you start start to predict patterns and understand patterns, understand a lot more because you're not wedded to it anymore. You're not attached to it anymore. You can actually be dispassionate about it. You can mm-hmm. actually study it from afar. Mm-hmm. Become the like the neutral observer. So this is the uh, this is always the last step. Yeah, you know, in in a, in a man's evolution is becoming the sage or the hermit or the monk. Mm-hmm. And what 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 would you say is the major lesson we can take away from? Um, um, basically, uh, watch and learn, mm-hmm. because that's really what you're doing. You're watching and you're learning. Watch, learn, and disseminate. Mm-hmm. Pass on what you've learned. Pass on what you learn. Uh-huh. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, now we got a couple of bonus archetypes that I want to share, uh, that came in, in the comment sections of the last show. Mm -hmm. Um, now this brother who, or, or this person, you know, on the internet, I don't know who, who people are, but, uh, this person, you know, uh, they labeled themselves, not even you. That was the, that was the the name they had. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they sent in, I want to say five or six, five or so archetypes, um, I already now I've already I've already wrote these when I did the first series. So I already had mine. But so three of them we overlapped about. But there were two that this person sent in that we didn't. And I wanted to share. Uh, you can see it in the comment section of the last video on the archetypes. But I thought I would at least uh, give this person, uh, you know, their due. Uh, some interesting uh, contributions. The first one uh, they submitted was the misfit iconoclast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, this one is, you know, you talk about Prince and Lenny Kravitz and Jimi Hendrix and George Clinton mm-hmm. and said, uh, you know, it's the polar opposite of the street dude often ostracized for not fitting the popular perception of blackness or masculinity, mm-hmm. uh, tended to be the hippie, the indie, the blurred, um, extreme, extremely underestimated for their strength and character In extreme cases can internalize the sense of alienation and become antagonistic toward those who wrong them. Uh, the mm-hmm. value is that they can change the paradigm and break negative generational cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, so the misfit, I thought was an interesting one. <clears throat> and then this one here, the everyman, right? Uh, so the everyman uh, uh, marked by a strong sense of work ethic, family values, the real, I like how he capitalized it, the real backbone of the community, master provider, father and husband. It's often blue collar, has a blue collar background and mentality, uh, risks burnout, early death. Mm-hmm. Totally undervalued or taken for granted. Uh, value can teach you uh, to hustle for all the right reasons. Yeah, the, that's that would be the sacrificial. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, part, yeah. The parts of that is most of that is in the sacrificial, uh, sacrificial man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Tavi, thanks for that cash app. Um, so I'm just we're gonna we're gonna kind of end it there. Now, understand for those who have uh, diamond level. Uh, Onyx level membership or our uh, Patreon um, uh, film review uh, subscribers, uh, go to my community tab. You should find the link for the after show called Office Hours. We're going to transition to that in a moment um, and and go over there. Everybody else, I want to thank you for participating. Oh, Cousin Tita in the building. Uh, thanks for the support show says, uh, uh, for the support start and so, waiting for the book. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. right. Waiting on the book. Okay. Because yeah, I've been, I've been on him too. We're going to stay on him until he, until he finishes. Um, but yeah, so everybody else, I want to thank you for be here, being here. I want to thank you for contributing. Uh, y'all know how I like to close it out. Brothers, I'm here to tell you, we are not criminals by birth. 
perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, brainless henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, in inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, warriors, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace. always have trouble finding this. I guess it disappeared on me. All right. Okay, we'll just